0: the new am 740 the naz and wally sports hour is a paid program opinions expressed on the show are those of naz and wally and their guests
1: from hockey to wrestling football to golf no sport left unturned you're listening to the naz and wally sports hour on zoomer radio good morning naz good morning wally neil the boys are back let's talk sports
2: Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. This Sunday is going to be a beauty for us. We have Paul Beeston at 9.30 and Butch Carter at 10 after 9. And we have in studio today Lou Franceschetti, former Toronto Maple Leaf and Washington Capital, and the Morning Gangs host, Neil Headley. Neil, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm here just to
3: make sure the room doesn't get too smart. (laughs)
4: <laughs> sure. Morning.
2: Yeah, so are good how are you let's let's discuss Jacques Lemaire the because we're you're the former leaf uh, what do you think of the signing of Jacques Lemaire
4: uh, I really don't know what's happening there uh, I, I guess they're trying to build a, an all-star team or an all hall of fame team around the hockey team they have right now and uh, they're doing everything possible to more or less align themselves with good quality people up in the front office to to help them maybe through the struggle that they're going to have for the next year or so and see if uh, uh, what kind of input uh, Mr. Lemaire is going to have with, uh, with his duties with this hockey club.
2: Neil, what do you think? Well, Thoughts of that When
3: we, we first talked about it this morning, you were shocked. I was surprised, but I want to know what Lou, uh, I want you to dial back a to second to when you were a player. So you're a player, you're getting ready for the season, and you've watched in this offseason, you've watched Babcock come in, now you're watching Jacques Lemaire, you're watching the changes that they've made up front. What does that say to you as a player going in?
4: Well, it's got more eyes looking at you, and you really can't fend off too much off, of, uh, off, the, uh, off the agenda with this hockey club. you got to remember, we only had two assistant coaches. We had one GM. We had one uh, player, director of scouting. Uh, We never had a CEO. We never had a president, or actually the titles weren't there. So I guess we're going into an era right now that more heads in the so-called kitchen is going to make for better food on the the table, so to speak. So uh, time will tell. Maybe they're there to to ease the pain for the fans. And with Jacques uh, overlooking and maybe even being a part-time scout with games in Montreal and and him living in Florida during the winter, maybe any insight information that he can give them with, especially with, uh, with his experience and, and having won two Stanley Cups and I think 10 or 11 as a, as a player, mm-hmm. will all be uh, a, a positive going down this uh, street that they're doing.
2: Very underrated player. He was a very good player. Now, Lou, you, were, you played in the 89, 90, and 90, 91 season. And the Jays were a really good team back then. Do you remember that
4: time in, in Toronto when uh, the Jays were that good at that time? I, I do, to a certain extent. Uh, again, you're really bringing me out that I, I am a Yankee fan. So, yeah, I
3: was going to get to that later, but you can't see the shirt on the radio.
4: <laughs> but they were teams that that were. You could see that they were built for the future. I wasn't here in '92, '93. I remember where I was. Uh, when Joe Carter hit uh, the dramatic home run that uh, touch them all, Joe, uh, you'll never get a better moment than this. I was driving back. I was coaching in uh, Detroit, Michigan, and I was driving from uh, Utica, New York, to Toronto that night, and I really wanted to stay away from downtown. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was a team that you can see was was being built in in stages and very, very shortly, even though they did have some – Uh, down years or down uh, periods of time going into the last week of the season, losing the seven in a row to Detroit, I think, uh, and losing the other ones, really close ones. But what do they say? You have to learn how to lose first before you learn how to win. Yeah, they
2: did. And 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 right now, uh,
4: this is a mad, crazy city. They want a winner. And when you sell 450,000 tickets after you go on a 10 or 11-game winning streak, now they're being back down to earth and people on the radio are calling in for John Gibbons' head and and Tudor Lewiski's head, Uh, I think there's something wrong with these people, and maybe they should just back off the bandwagons and and see what happens in the next uh, six weeks.
2: Now, uh, Lou, in 92-93, the Jays won World Series. and Compare those teams to the one
4: now. Uh, I think those teams were more of a team than they are of individuals. You look at back in 92, if it wasn't for Robbie Alomar's home run off of Dennis Eckersley, how far would they have gone? Because that seemed to more or less light, light the fire and nobody could touch him. Um, I think now with, with the money involved, there's a lot more individuals that are looking at stats and future contracts than there were back then where you bring in a monitor you're bringing a Winfield. You're bringing a Henderson. You're bringing a Dave Stewart. You look at their background, it's all about the team first. It's not about an individual stat or an individual. Right.
3: So, okay, if I, if, if I may digress for a second, and I love going back to this with you in particular because you're the guy in the room that's played. Um, you look at, so you get a Tulowitzki, you get a David Price, you get all of these guys coming in. As a player, What does it mean when an all-star caliber talent like that comes in toward the end of the year? How long does it actually take a team to gel when new guys come in right at the end of the year?
4: Well, I don't I think as an individual, you get jacked up uh, because the organization is telling you, guys, we're going for this. And that's that's one of the problems that a lot of teams have. uh, And this is one of them, that they think they have the talent, but then... When things go sour, they more or less back off. They're not all in. And again, I'm bringing back this team right here.
3: Yankees, yeah. Uh, this Yankee
4: shirt, he has to bring yeah. it out again. Man. You look in the mid-90s, they were all in almost every single year because they didn't care of, of the penalty they, they took, which was probably a first-round pick. They were going after the Giambis. They were going after uh, the Sheffields. They were going after all those players in the, uh, the offseason because they knew they were going to get the revenue. They want to show the fans, listen, guys, we want to win it every single year. We're not here to win it every second or third year. They, they've told, they've be, uh, Paul Beeston and, and uh, Alex has told everybody, we're in it because we know we have a chance this year. The AL East is not as strong as it once was. The only team they really have to worry about is the Kansas City Royals. Having said that, I think the two
2: wild cards may be coming out of there. We're going to go for a commercial break, and we'll be right back with Butch Carter.
5: It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast-dial number just for cell phones by singing it. (coughs) Pound 3636... No. Pound 3636... No. Come on, baby, pound 3636. Come on, baby, pound (laughs) 3636. That's got a ring to it. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636.
6: With a True North deck system, you could be sunning, lounging, and relaxing instead of sanding, scraping, and painting. The True North deck system, the deck that's Canadian manufactured for our Canadian climate, comes with a limited lifetime warranty. You get a durable, double-sided, finished deck system that's easy to install, eco-friendly, and virtually maintenance-free. Enjoy your summer. Ask about True North deck systems at Lowe's or visit them online at trunorthdeck.com.
0: Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler
8: for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Woodbridge.com
0: at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org.
1: They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
2: Welcome back to the Nas and Wally Sports Hour. Wally is in Wisconsin. Uh, Neil Louis, he's watching the PGA Championship. Wow, what a trip that is.
4: I'll tell you, they, they are killing this golf course. It just goes to show you how, how good these guys really are when you give them, uh, like, great conditions to play this game. There's no win. Nothing is they, – they're – we were talking about it before the show. Jason Day hits a 600-yard par 5. He it hits a driver wedge 180 yards. Yeah and sticks it within 10 feet for an eagle. I guess that
3: begs the question, are they good, or are they just hitting the ball oh, longer? Good.
4: Butch, how are you?
9: Good, how are you guys doing? Good, good, good.
3: Basketball,
2: FIBA cha- championships, FIBA Americas. Women's men's team, what do you think?
9: Well, the, the women are on a roll, there's no question. Uh, the men played very well. Couldn't have asked for any more, I don't think, for... Uh, The short period of time they had for practice, I got to see the Brazilian team scrimmage. And I had told people that clearly in my mind they were the best team there. And I believe they proved that out. Veteran players uh, experience great ability to shoot the basketball from multiple uh, players. Uh, And I think Jay Triano got everything that you can ask for out of the team that he had. Uh, His guard play was not very good as far as FIBA-level basketball. Um, but it was it, I think it was a very good result for Canada, and um, hopefully it will lead to something better as they go into the Olympics.
2: So you were talking about the Pan Am Games, right? Now, the FIBA, the, uh, the Americas starts August 31st to September 12th, and Tristan Thompson is not in the lineup because he has not signed a contract with Cleveland, so they don't want to risk injury. What do you think about that situation?
9: it's it's the natural part of what's going on with so much money at stake um, he could play if uh, Canada basketball could pay the insurance which to pay the insurance on eighty or ninety million dollars is probably half a million dollars premium so they're not in position to do it and uh, this is, you know, this. You have two things that are outside influences. One is the contract status of the player, and the second is the endorsement status of the player. So, if he had an endorser that wanted him to play in, they would help fund the insurance to get him in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the new age of outside issues that have tremendous influence on what players play in these tournaments.
2: What are your thoughts on the head coach, Jay Triano? Uh, to me, it seems like to me he should be an assistant coach, no more than that. That's just my opinion. What's well, yours? I mean,
9: I mean, basically, this is what basically they've nationalized the team. So, who would, who would be your head coach that's Canadian? Um,
2: well, I know one head coach that I would like in there, and I'm talking to him.
9: Well, I mean, you know, I. I've sent them letters for years to ask them to let me help. I do have a very good relationship with Jay. I want to make that clear. Um, I'm trying to build out a uh, a Canadian basketball league, which would help Canada basketball. But they made a decision uh, to nationalize their leadership there, Uh, and Steve Nash with Jay and a bunch of other people. Um, But, Wally, what you have to understand is that Basketball in Canada has had a huge disconnect with corporations, and they have been grossly underfunded. I think there's $1.8 billion a year spent in endorsement or sponsorship money in Canada, and outside of the, the, the Toronto Raptors, less than 1% goes to basketball. Hmm. So there's been a huge disconnect between corporate Canada and uh, basketball, and I think that what Steve's trying to do and Jay and the way they're set up, um, but I think we are one of the poorest countries in supporting uh, Canada basketball over what the other teams get and and how the other teams are organized. Um, But you know, you can't blame them if they're going to nationalize the team. Then they need to get results that work for that decision, and I don't think that we have seen uh, enough time go by to give a fair assessment of that.
2: Do we have an upcoming star coming up at the point guard position for Canada?
9: Uh, there's no There's no star at the point guard position. Um, the best young point guard I've seen is 16 years old. He's in He's in uh, Quebec. Um, and in the last year I've been out and seen a lot of players um but he's the most athletic uh tallest point guard he fits into the in the current scenario of what we're seeing in the NBA um but there is no uh star at at point guard in, in my mind Jamal Murray is very good uh he is deficient in two areas one um he has no true crossover dribble um and he is more smart than he is athletic. Uh, so he can manage a game. But when he's going to be put up against uh, top flight point guards later, and he needs more athletic ability, and he's young. You know, he's uh, in that 18-19. He is young. Um, but there is no, you know, in my opinion, based off of, you know, second contract perennial all-star point guard, no, not I haven't seen one in Kennedy yet.
3: Hey Butch, it's Neil. Um, we talk about the funding and all of those sorts of things and, and I think – and you and I have had conversations about this as well outside of this environment where we're talking about fan support and things like that. What is it going to take in Canada to change the support that we give even to – you know? you look south of the border and NCAA basketball in the United States is a religion where in Canada, college-level basketball, amateur basketball, it's like a ghost town. What do we need to do to change that?
9: Well, we have a European system where there is no uh, athletic scholarships for universities and colleges, so that's not going to change. Basically what we have to do is create a, Canada is the largest country, Neelam, uh, that doesn't have a professional basketball league to support Canada basketball. Um, Canadians are structured more to support a professional team than they are at the university level. The NCAA's check for their TV contract, I think, was uh, four, four, four hundred and eighty. The net net was four hundred and eighty million dollars. That was just the basketball contract. Canada funded all of its universities for all of its sports. I think it's seventy-eight million dollars. Wow! Wow, that's, a, that's so incredible. the discrepancy starts there. And you're right. Um, because of scholarship sports, um, universities create these great followings amongst their alum, and other alums write big checks. And as I tell people when I try to introduce them to Canadian Basketball League, in Canada it's upside down. In the U.S., the alumni write their checks for the most part through the athletic department, massive funding for massive facilities, and in Canada it's the other way around where they actually write their checks to the university. Uh, it's actually not called a gymnasium or an arena. They're called student activity centers because the students, through their funding, uh, provide the money for the athletic facilities on campus. So it's just, it's turned around. Uh, it is what it is. That's why you see the exodus of, of all athletes uh, who want a scholarship going to the U.S. Um, because they they know they're going to get better facilities, they're going to get better support in their act uh, athletic life.
2: Uh, Butch, the women's game has really improved a lot in Canada, and the talent level for Canada is tremendous right now. Um, what? Why is that?
9: Well, the the women uh, focus on skill, so the the women's game has grown because they're not they don't have the issue of. Uh, you know they have to be a tremendous athlete, so they're trained on skill—dribbling, shooting, uh, passing the basketball. So um, you know we've seen the UConn coach make this comment, and as much as people didn't like it, he was actually telling the truth because the baseline for women's basketball has been around skill building and not jumping. And so it's a it's a it's a prettier game from the standpoint of you know. Uh, a lot of them able to make shots. Where with the men's game, you see limited people um, who can make shots repeatedly. Um, you know the the craziness that's going on with uh, Steph Curry is is around you know his ability to make shots, and that should not that not should not be something that's unique. It should be something that is predominant. So uh, the other issue you have in Canada is. On the grassroots side, your house leagues, your rep leagues, they don't have a consistent place to go vi- to go practice. You'll have uh, coaches coaching teams, and they're not able to, have to be in the same gym three times or two times a week. They're constantly moving around. So without that consistency of facility, you have a cons- uh, an inconsistency of structure.
2: Now, uh, getting back to the men's, one final question, Butch. Um, if they don't perform well in this, this qualifier to get into the Olympics, what happens to the coaching situation there?
9: I mean, look, I have, I have no idea, but I don't, I don't think they're going to play well in the qualifier. I think that there are still issues surrounding Jay doesn't have enough talent in the pipeline. I mean, I think that's a real issue. The people that are that are playing on the team are not starters in the NBA. They're not all stars in the NBA. So, um, in my opinion, you know, if I was sitting down with Jay, I would suggest at some point they have to evolve into a more full court or three quarter court pressure um, philosophy. And the benchmark on that was the U.S. team that played in Greece. And got, and got pounded because they had guys, and once the European teams or European style of play, which is prevalent in South America also, once they get a lead on you in the, la- in the closing minutes, they play a low-possession game. And on a low-possession game, you have to make shots from distance. You have to be able to shoot the basketball because more than likely you're not going to get close. So the Americans, after getting defeated, Uh, drilled in Greece, went to a three-quarter and full-court pressure philosophy so that they would not get stuck at the end of the game being behind. Uh, When they won the 15 Worlds, uh, the American team shot the basketball. Kyrie Irving shot the basketball as well as any player in that tournament has ever done. Um, But you can't sit down and sit back and play a low-possession game that is standard coaching 101. That is one of the things you learn. Um, if I was playing at Indiana, we played playing against Princeton, you had to press them. If I was a high school coach and we're playing uh, the Catholic League schools in Cincinnati, you had to press them. You could not let it boil down to a seven or eight possession game in the last quarter. Um, but the reality is that the time that Jay has these players is so limited that uh, something else, someone has to come along and really fund them so that they can spend more time together. Without that time together and without a uh, league, a FIBA league based in Canada, I think that Canada's chances are, are, are very limited.
3: Butch, I want to take you away from basketball just for one second, one quick thing, because uh, you know that I'm a guy who believes that uh, coaching is coaching, regardless of what sport it is. So let me ask you this. Hypothetical you're john you're you're uh you're gibby right now and your team has just gone through an 11 game winning streak and then they've gotten beaten the last two what's the coach's gig at that point what do you if you went on an 11 game winning streak and now you've lost two in a row against the team that you're supposed to catch what do you do how do you get back into that room and get things back on track
9: well i mean i i agree with the coaching is coaching but i let me give my background on baseball so I grew up in uh, Troy in Middletown Ohio so big fan of the uh, Big Red Machine Um, can't tell you how many nights WLW 700 was on the radio and we're listening to uh, the team Perez Rose Concepcion Bench uh, Geronimo Griffey um, and it was right down the road the first baseball game I went to was in Crosley Field um, where the Reds played before they went to Three River, uh, Riverfront. So, very in depth. We understood baseball. My best friend, Fred Norai, uh, at home, he thinks Coach Norai won six baseball championships at Middletown Fenwick. Um, Tracy Smith, the head coach at Arizona State, I go out annually there to see him, uh, helped him, and watched him through the system. Uh, he's married to. His wife is from my hometown, Miami of Ohio, where he started out. Then he became the head coach at Indiana University and then went to Arizona State from there. So from a baseball standpoint, I think I understand it a little. The issue, I think, will be at the end of the day is that I always had a problem with Gibby's uh, detail. Um, And I think it's very hard to go from bad to good and not be an extremely detail-oriented person. I think the issues that will come up for Gibby are that he's going to be thinking through stuff that other managers, um, you take the manager from Tampa Bay and you put him in Chicago and you say, what is going on with the Cubs now? Uh, I think they're always detail-oriented. I think the game of baseball, because the number of games that are played, uh, if you're going to be good, the managers that are good, I think that you're seeing that with the management of the Yankees. They're in a tough spot. Um... But he needs a pitcher to pitch a great game. I think uh, I've been catching heck on Twitter because Again? I we totally disagree with putting Sanchez in um, behind Price. I think if you went out and get, got Derek Lowe uh, to pitch, um, you got to put him in a game to pitch in that situation. Um, and I have a problem with Sanchez. I believe that Sanchez is talented as he is. Is, has a very low self-esteem. Uh, it shows up in his control. It shows up in the comments that Marcus Stroman, when they asked Strow to compare. But to me, when I look at Martin uh, behind the plate, catching Sanchez, um, he is not a very confident catcher, uh, a lot like when uh, he first started catching a knuckleball from Dickey. So I think it's very tough. Uh, they need someone to stand up and pitch to help them win a game. They are extremely good. I can't say enough about what's been done with the transactions. They are a team that everyone should be rooting for if you're Canadian. Um, I've been sitting and watching them on TV now for uh, 14 years, and my family and I do get to go to uh, numerous games and and enjoy the atmosphere. But what I learned when I was, was drafted by the Lakers near the world champs, not everybody can go from a B team to an A team. And to me, it's a big test on if Gibby isn't a manager. Because um, it's a lot easier to handle when things are just going along. Then every decision that he makes now, there's a multiple that's a lot higher than it was before. You would understand this. You, you and I have been guys who played on many of teams and moved around. But the atmosphere of, of a predominantly winner is entirely different than a team just going through the motions.
2: You've been listening to Butch Carter. Butch, we got to run. we got Paul Beeston coming up. Thanks for the morning. Great insight, buddy. Thank you. Take care, guys.
9: Appreciate you having me.
2: We're now going to go to commercial, and we'll be right back with Paul Beeston, president of the Toronto Blue Jays.
5: It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound 3636, and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? pound three six three six wings by the water pound three six three six ponzo combo at the cottage pound three six three six salad at the. uh, someone stopped me call pizzaville on your cell phone at pound three six three six
6: with a true north deck system you could be sunning lounging and relaxing instead of sanding scraping and painting The True North Deck System, the deck that's Canadian manufactured for our Canadian climate, comes with a limited lifetime warranty. You get a durable, double-sided, finished deck system that's easy to install, eco-friendly, and virtually maintenance-free. Enjoy your summer. Ask about True North Deck Systems at Lowe's or visit them online at trunorthdeck.com.
0: Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn.
8: Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alta Infinity, woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7, striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old
7: saying: entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough.
0: Rigabond Carly, the intelligent choice. Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org.
1: They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Nas and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
2: Welcome back to the Nazanoli Sports Hour. We're just trying to get a hold of Paul Beeston now, but uh, interesting comments by Butch
3: Carter concerning John Gibbons. What do you think of that, Neil? Uh, I mean, to me, I boil down what Butch said as basically anybody could have been managing during the 11-game winning streak. And you know what? I mean, there's a certain amount of truth to that. Don't get me wrong. I love Gibby. But um, when you're on a roll, basically the manager's job becomes to not screw it up and not get in the way. You know, uh, and so I I think Butch is right. I think right now, I think today is an example of when we get a really good taste of what this team's chances are postseason. If they can't pull it out today, then I think maybe it's time to ring some kind of an alarm bell. Not that I'm going to jump off the bandwagon, but if you go from 11 in a row to to a three-game losing streak, okay, that's a problem for me.
4: But look who they're playing. (laughs) <laughs> Here we of course, go. the New York Yankees <laughs> Here we go. Hey, Everybody came into this looking at last week at being uh, a crucial series against the Yankees in, in Yankee Stadium where they've been mm-hmm. literally beat up almost for the last six or seven years. So they go in and they sweep them. They had great pitching. Uh, they had great hitting or good quality hitting because they had, uh, what, four or five home runs. And I think nine out of the ten runs that were scored were all on home runs. This weekend, they're just getting out-pitched. Lou, we have, yes. we have Paul Beeson on the line. Paul,
2: Naz Marchese here. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are we doing? We're doing really well. Uh, the team is going quite well right now. Well, we've had a couple rough games. I uh, had an
10: exciting game on Friday night, and um, we're not hitting a little bit right now, but we've had a uh, pretty good run of it, and it's pretty exciting.
2: Now, uh, we're we're hoping that you get your third World Series this year, Paul. <laughs> we're,
10: we're pulling
2: for you. Well it'd be nice for it'd be nice for the city, the province
10: or the country for that matter. I don't think we have to worry about all Paul.
3: Paul Neal Headley over here. Um, question for you. Is Alex Anthopoulos the best general manager in major league baseball? Well, I don't know.
10: He's in the conversation. I mean, there's some very good general managers. It's like you talk about baseball players or hockey players or football players or basketball players, business executives. You can talk about all of them. And, uh, you know, there's always a handful of guys that, um, you know, that are, are individuals or women, whoever it may be, that, you know, that they're in a conversation of who is the best. Uh, to be in the conversation, I think, is a, is a remarkable feat in itself. So, um, you know, I think he's got to be one of, the, one of the best. And um, uh, the best part about him is that he's got a long runway ahead of him because he's only
2: 37 years old. Paul, Paul, I want to play a clip from somebody you know very well. Can you hang on for 30 seconds to listen to this clip? Sure. Thanks, Paul. Well, first of
10: all, let me say uh, what a great job I think uh, Paul Beeston has done over the years. Uh, He and Pat Gillick uh, were the architects of the 92-93 World Series wins, and I don't think we should ever forget that. And I think Paul Beeston has uh, let Alex Antopoulos uh, take a lot of the spotlight now, and uh, Paul has been a, a great asset to the city, a great asset to the Blue Jays and uh, I know this is his last year and I wish him well and I tell you the people of Toronto should never forget the contribution that uh, Paul Beeson made uh, uh, to the Toronto Blue Jay baseball team and baseball overall.
2: There you go that was a clip from Paul Garfrey last week what do you think of that Paul? Well, it's very kind. Um, I have to declare
10: myself as uh, Paul and I are good friends, so you know, I don't want to think that you know he's just observed it. I've, you know, I've got a lot of time for Paul, and Paul was one of the people who brought the game here back in 1976. So uh, him to say it, I'm flattered by it. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's always a team effort. I mean, it's never just one person. And uh, you know, we've had a uh, great organization right from the beginning uh, back in '76, and uh, it's been a slow build in this last little iteration that we're going through. But uh, uh, having said that, it's been, a, it's been an exciting time. And, you know, that week that uh, preceded the July 31st trade deadline, um, I guess it wasn't even a week because uh, Alex really started out with the Tulowitzki deal on the 27th of July. Um, you know, it just never seemed to stop. And uh, he re- reinvigorated um, the, the community, no question about that. Uh, but he reinvigorated the team itself and i think that can't be lost because i think he sent a message to the players in the clubhouse that um you know we're all in and um let's see what we can do this year so uh there's a lot of games to play left you know um it's a uh, you think you say it's a it's a good team but you know we've got over 25% of the schedule left to complete so um you know we've got uh, we've got we've got some fun coming ahead of us in the schedule
3: you know we've heard a lot of the sports media here in town Paul saying that uh, for example, when David Price came aboard, I, there wasn't a sports writer or a sports broadcaster in the city, with the exception possibly of Naz and Wally, who yeah. uh, didn't at some point say, you know what, David Price is never going to sign long term with the Toronto Blue Jays. First of all, one, is that anywhere even close to the truth? Is there a chance that David Price would sign long term? And two, how big of a priority do you think that is for the team in the offseason?
10: Well, I think it's got to be a priority. And the answer to it is, is, never, is a word that I don't think you want to ever use. I mean, uh, David, uh, Roger Clemens was never going to sign here. We would never get Paul Molitor. We would never do a lot of things. Um, you know, but the fact of the matter is, uh, in a certain set of circumstances, uh, with the right economics, and more important than that, with the willingness of the team, to, of the player to come to the city because he thinks he can win, um, there's, there's no question in my mind that it's always a possibility. Uh, one of the things that you see in mobility of players, uh, and the and the retention of them is where they judge whether or not you have an opportunity to win. Um, you know, it's not always about the dollars with the players. They like to play for contending and and um, and and very competitive teams. And so, I always believe that there's an opportunity, and uh, it's a matter of sitting down, a matter of communicating, a matter of see if a deal can be structured. So, I would never use the word uh, never.
2: <laughs> we are uh, celebrating three uh, outfielders from the 1985 season today. Uh, Bell, Barfield, and Mosby. I always felt that the 1985 team was probably the most talented team you guys had. Um, what do you think of the 85 team?
10: Well, the 85 team was a special team. I and mean, if you think about it, I mean, even winning World Series, being in the playoffs in 89, 91, um, you know, any competitive teams we had, they won 99 games. Uh, and won in a very, very difficult um, division at the time because, if you recall, Detroit had won, won the World Series the year before that. Baltimore had won it in, 80, in 83. Boston uh, went to the seventh game in 80, 86. So, I mean, the, there was a lot of competition back then, and they were competitive. They were young. They were hungry. They were having fun. And um quite frankly, um you know, we lost a tough game in Game 7 to Kansas City, or perhaps we would have gone to our first World Series back in 85. But, yes, they were talented. Yes, they were aggressive. Yes, they had fun. And we actually had a dinner last night over at the Raston Hotel for, I think it was a couple hundred people there. It was sold out immediately. And uh, there was 11 people back from the um, from the uh, uh, 85 team, 11 players. And uh, I'll tell you something, when you look at it, there was a lot of talent there. Uh, but the best part about it was there was a lot of character in that room. I mean, they were, they were character ballplayers.
3: Paul, do you get a sense uh, that Mark Burley is coming back to the Toronto Blue Jays next year? Well, I don't think anyone
10: gets a sense. I mean, again, you know, we asked the word about never. You never know whether he's going to come back or not come back or whether he's going to retire. His contract is clearly up. But, um, you know, the way that he's pitching right now, you want to have to say to yourself, why would he retire? Um, here's a, a, a player who's never been on the disabled list. Um, you know, every year pitches at least 200 innings. Uh, every year has got double-digit win figures, and I think that goes for 15 years. Um, and his longevity is, uh, is is something that you just don't see in with someone who's a pitcher right now because um, someone eventually goes on the DL or has an off year. Um, he doesn't seem to ever have that. You know, he's throwing the perfect game. He's um, been in a World Series and won that. Um, and uh, if he uh, if he retires, he'll be good on top but um, you know I think only he knows that and um, if you know Mark he's a, a tremendous leader um, he's a great presence in the clubhouse uh, but you know he's great with all of his teammates and everything, and uh, he will determine whether or not he wants to, you know, carry that on, or alternatively whether he just is going to say, "Look, and I've had my fun. I'm going out on top, and um, you know we're going to um, we're going to enjoy the rest of our life, and we
3: don't know what that's going to bring us." So I don't know, but I I just don't know what he's going to do. Is Burley a guy that you look at? I'm sorry, I got a quick follow up here. Uh, is he a guy that you would look at maybe as when he decides to hang him up? Is he is he a good candidate to become a pitching coach? Well, he'd be a good
10: candidate to do anything, you know, whether he worked in the minor leagues and worked with kids, whether he was a pitching coach up at the, major, at the major league level, absolutely, 100%. Uh, he's got a way with people. I mean, there's, uh, he's got a unique personality that uh, you're, all, you're always comfortable being around him. Uh, he um, is, tells it the way that it is, but he tells it in a manner that it is. He always says you're back, but, you know, if you um, screw up in any way, shape, or form, he's prepared to, you know, um, face you at that point in time. And so, you know, I look at it and I say to myself, you know, he could do anything.
2: Paul, um, there's talk that uh, 450,000 tickets have been sold since the Whiskey trade. Is that true? It's pretty close. Wow! I don't know the incredible. number of
10: 450, whether it's 350, whether it's 550, but um, the 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 um, interest is, has picked up remarkably. And um, one of the things that you can um, you can look at when you're looking at very very various businesses, most of it's being purchased online. And so, from the point of view of the from point of view of sales, uh, and more importantly than that, you know, people coming and enjoying it, uh, it's, it's 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 kind of a special time. I don't know why this just creeped up on us. The other years when we won the World Series, you know, we had been good in '85, we were good in '87, in '89 we're in the playoffs, '90 we're in the playoffs, '91 we're, playoff, we're, we we're in the playoffs, or '90 we weren't, but '91 we're in the playoffs. So that just kind of you know was waiting you know to to happen. Uh, this year, what we have is you know. Um, Alex making these trades and there was a kind of a blossoming all of a sudden I mean it was it was almost instantaneous and so there's been a lot there's been a lot there's been a lot of interest we are speaking and, to and, I, and the 450 doesn't surprise me
2: we're speaking to Paul Beeson president
4: of Toronto Blue Jays hey Paul uh, it's Lou Franceschetti here how are you Lou I'm 100 percent. how are you pretty good buddy Listen, uh, do you guys got enough bandwagons around uh, the the, the center <laughs> well, there we for the people to jump on and off? <laughs> well, Lou, we've got we have got an, uh, we have got
10: an opportunity, but we have an obligation to make sure that they don't get off. Okay, a, listen, how, say, how, hey, you know this you know this from being from your athletic career. What you're going to have, Lou, is you're going to have people that are, are going to have the team that we're going to go and struggle a little bit. There's just too many games left. There, I think it's 40, 44 games left.
4: Paul, you know, I, we, I heard some of that stuff yesterday where a lot of people are calling for Gibby's head, and they're also calling. For Tula whiskey's head, so uh it's it's funny to see to get you get four hundred and fifty thousand people that are buying tickets all of a sudden because you're on this roll and you're batting the Yankees for first place, but where were these four hundred and fifty thousand people uh or ticket uh holders uh before? this all went, went We're on. We're happy
10: but, they have an opinion.
4: Yes. Yeah. Uh, I are <laughs>
10: happy they have an opinion. Without an opinion then it really doesn't matter. So they're, they're there and if they can get engaged and they can see the beauty of the game and more importantly, that, enjoy the game, the ups and the downs. Baseball as opposed to the other sports is a, is, is a marathon. We play 162 games in 179 days. You're going to have your ups and downs and you know you can play 700, 600 baseball from here on in and well, be sure that you're going to be in the
2: playoffs, Paul. He's a Yankee fan, so we disregard what Louis says. Right? <laughs> right,
4: right. Well, we know that, Paul. How can you describe the uh, the so-called atmosphere uh, around the ballpark compared to uh, '92, '93 when you guys went on those two runs? What's
10: I'll be very 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 honest with you I don't know if' it's, uh, if, it, if, it's if it's not better now i it, it's certainly a young crowd. If you go here, you don't need a, you don't have to hire some surveyor to come in here and say, "Look what's your age? what do you do and all that It's a very, very young crowd that is enjoying the game. The atmosphere is in some respects electric. Uh, when David Price threw his first game on July the first or August the first weekend, um, the holiday it was it was it was spectacular in here and then um, Friday night. Again, it was spectacular. Yesterday we didn't score any runs, and so you basically have to score. One run won't do it to get the fans into it. But if you do it, and you can feel it outside. You can feel it outside walking around and seeing what people are saying and wearing their, wearing their, wearing their colors and everything. And it's a fun time to be part of it. And, it, and, it and it's come up at the end, and, and for, for, from our point of view, uh, we're prepared to take the challenge and see whether or not we can deliver the, the, deliver the goods at the end.
2: Paul, I'd like to do it one more time. Get you, in, get you on the air when you win the World Series. That would be love absolutely it. Love terrific. It with
10: the idea, you can count
2: on me. Okay. Thanks, Paul.
10: Have a great morning. You nice, too. Paul. Take care. Ciao. Uh,
4: amazing guy, isn't he? He's a he's, treat. He's, he's, <laughs> Louis, <laughs> he, you expect what, that
2: response, didn't no, you?
4: Hey, hey, listen. You know, he looked great yesterday on TV uh, with no socks on, but that's, I guess that's uh, it, it. It comes down to you got to put nine guys on the ball field, and they got to play the game. Yeah. Uh, he out the other team, he hit the other team. Um, it's going to be a classic run. We're, we're going to have six weeks of uh, great baseball here. Uh, let's just hope that, uh, for, for Paul's sake and, and, the, and the Jays fans here, that uh, they don't put too many uh, losing streaks together uh, and stay in the hunt right up until that last uh, weekend.
3: Yeah, let's just hope they have two more weeks than the Yankees do. I was, well, at, the, I was <laughs> at the game Wednesday night, and the atmosphere,
2: he's right. It's really changed. I, I, I watched a lot of baseball in 92-93.
3: And it's way different now. Well, you watch watch Mark Burley walking off the Thursday afternoon. We went to the game uh, Thursday against Oakland, and uh, Mark Burley gets pulled in the eighth inning. They're bringing in Sanchez. Burley's walking off toward the dugout, and I'll never forget this. They showed his face up on the screen as he's walking off. I don't know if they showed it on TV or not, but as he was walking away, you know, he was doing his usual heads down, looking back to the dugout, making sure he doesn't step on the line, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden he realized that 40 something thousand people were on their feet cheering for him. And there was a moment where if you saw, I don't know if they showed it on TV, but he looks up and he looks around the crowd and you could see him say to himself, wow, wow, and I don't know if after everything Mark Burley has achieved in his career, if there's much left that makes him stand there and say, wow. I mean, he's a character. Uh, well,
4: for sure. the demographics are a lot different because a lot of the people that are going to the game nowadays, they, they weren't around in 92, 93. So they got no clue of what went on uh, and, and, and the steps that they, the Jays took in those late 80s, early 90s to get to, to the World Championship. Now they're actually being part of it because it, it has been a struggle uh, because of the history of uh, of the ball club. Yeah, this, this team is different.
2: This team is totally different from back then. Uh, back then, they had played a lot of years. They were either first or second. Mm-hmm. I remember the Tigers. I think it was, you mentioned 87 or 86. They went on a 32-5 and five tear at the beginning of the season. Remember and that. They never yeah. got yeah. caught. Yep. And here's, here's a team, two 11-game winning streaks right now.
3: Yeah. Could you imagine if they didn't make
2: the playoffs with two 11-game winnings?
3: Well, and here's the thing that drives me crazy with the bandwagon jumpers. And, Lou, you were talking about the bandwagon jumpers, too, is uh, the the record in the 162-game season era, most wins ever, is 116, Seattle Mariners 2001.
4: And who won the World Series that year?
3: They, not the Mariners. The Mariners didn't They win got exactly. bounced out in the ALCS. By whom? Oh, uh, no, he's, he's asking oh, the question because he knows. Here we go. I should have seen that coming, yeah. yeah. The uh, Mets, but, I think, well, no. But here's the thing. So even the team that did the best in history in the 162-game era – Still lost 46 games that year. Anybody that th- thought at the beginning of the year that the Jays were going to go on 162-0 run don't understand baseball. And anybody who thought they weren't going to lose again for the rest of the season, they don't get the game. So there had to be some more losses coming. If they come in a bunch like this and then it's followed by winning another bunch, I'm okay with these two. It's just if it starts to get into three, four, five in a row... Okay, now
4: I'm worried. Well, we'll, we'll we're really going to see in the next two weeks yeah. the character of how Alex has built this team, on where they go because now you've won 11 games, you're back in the in the hunt. Where do we go from now? Now we're gonna, we've lost two in a row to the Yankees. That's that's fine, but like you said, if they carry it on, who's going to step on whose toes? How's that clubhouse going to react to being back into the mix? Because really. I think there's six six teams within three games of the of the Jays, yep. yeah. and they lose three, and Minnesota w- wins three. Minnesota's back in that uh, back first in uh, wild card uh, hunt, and and they've gone I think the last eight or nine games, or even ten games, uh, one and eight, one and nine. So it's going to be interesting to see how that clubhouse handles the next two to three weeks. They're yeah.
2: on the road. They're on the road this week, and uh, they've had difficulty on the road. So yeah. we got to really look at what
3: they're going to do on the road. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, again, I like asking you questions that have to do specifically with being a player. Um, is this based on the media and the fan base and the coverage? Is this one of the toughest markets to play in?
4: It all depends on how you take it. I came here in '89, knowing that. I was coming back to my hometown, and if you decide to, to start reading every small little press clippings uh, on how you do and uh, how you handle it, and if you have a bad game, then it's gonna, it, you're going to take it to the next day. You're, you're not going to succeed in this. Uh, Larry Murphy was a prime candidate. Uh, he probably, I'm not sure whether he read it, but it got to him. Yeah, I came true. to this uh, organization in, uh, in July, and more or less, I'm bringing my lunch pail. I go to work every single day. You work hard. You do, you do what you ha- whatever you have to do or you do what, what got you there. And let's see how the fans react. And uh, that's the mentality that individuals have to take uh, coming into the city. It's, it's a special city to play in because you get scrutinized for every little thing. I'm not sure if it's a baseball town, but it definitely is a hockey town because that's the only place you lose 60 games in hockey and you're still getting 18,000 people coming. And there's still scalpers out there looking to scalp tickets. At the same value as you were, if you were winning 60 games. Yeah. So it it just goes to show you that if you bring the right mentality to this, or any kind of market, look at the Yankees what they're going through. Look at Montreal. Look at the Rangers. Look at Chicago. All those markets, uh, or the original six markets, they're all diehard markets. Mm-hmm. But you have to bring your lunch pail to work every single day, like you're working an eight-hour day. And if you leave at the end of the day saying, "Listen, I've given it everything I have," the people can't question. Your, your integrity or, or your work ethic?
2: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Hockey definitely is uh, the number one sport in the city. And, we, I, and I love baseball. I, I, I could watch 162 games of baseball, but hockey is definitely. And I think the pressures are a little different in hockey than in baseball. It, it,
4: it is because it's been, uh, what, 48 years since they won the Stanley Cup? 49. 40, no, 50, 60, yeah 49. Yeah. Yeah, and they've never even been to the final in that team. And you look at teams like Tampa, Carolina, They've all won,
2: <laughs> so. And it's hard to win a Stanley Cup with uh, that team. It's the hardest team.
4: sport to win a championship. When you go through, what is it, uh, twelve weeks? Mm-hmm. Twelve weeks. Tw- twelve weeks of blood and sweat, uh, injuries, cortisone shots, ice packs. Uh, baseball players might play every single day, and football players play once a week. It, this has got to be the most grueling sport uh, to win a championship uh, ever. So, Neil, where do you think the Blue Jays go?
3: They're go- I mean, there'll be October baseball in Toronto. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind about that. I, I think you don't. I, this weekend worries me in terms of. I realize this weekend that if we just get in on the wild card, that's a problem because I'm, I'm seeing now that you know. Among the other best teams, they can grab their best pitcher, they can throw them at the Blue Jays, and we've got problems on our hands. So a one-game series like there would be if we won the wild card, that's not going to do it, I don't think. I think we have to take the division. Can they take the division? I think they can. Uh, And I think if we're going to have any shot at a World Series this year in Toronto, I think it only happens if they win the division.
4: What do you think, Lib? I know I, you're going to say the Yankees. No, but. I'm not saying the Yankees. Listen, I, the Yankees are the Yankees. Uh, they are what they are. They're they're, they're old. Uh, they're breaking down. Uh, other than Tanaka and probably the young kid Severino, their their future uh, is not as uh, as fruitful as the. Uh, Jay's, well, they uh, they
2: have some guys in the minors, though. So they have a couple. They
4: got two kids. Yeah. Aaron Judge, who is supposedly uh, is called the 5:30 man instead of the 7:30 man because he hit bombs and in the (laughs) pregame warm-up. And the the, the first baseman, Greg Bird, and Severino are are their top three prospects uh, coming up right now, where the Jays have, you know, they have Hutchison, they got uh, Strowman, they got the kid out of Missouri, Morris. So um, it's going to be interesting to see the next eight or nine days because they go to Philadelphia, they're going to play Texas in that heat down there, Uh, how are they going to handle that, and and when they come back and and see what kind of position they are. Uh, And obviously... You still have two weeks before you can make a uh, a, a waiver deal. Yeah. Uh, to see who uh, Alex brings in. I not. I know they're not too happy with Hutchison on the road. So. Well, and then Strowman's
3: the big wild card in everything. We, what happens with Strowman? Guys, this show is not
2: long enough. We run out of time. Thanks, Lou. Thanks, Neil, for coming in.
3: Thanks. Thank guys. you to
2: Paul Beeston, Butch Carter. See you next week. The Naz and Wally
0: Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.